Previously on Myth Tarot Love, we examined the Four of Swords and the Funeral Games of Patroclus. Today's show will focus on the Five of Swords and Pelops' Chariot Race. Myth and Tarot Where do the ideas go? Let's talk about stories, swords, and symbols and all of the above Myth, Tarot, Love Welcome to Myth, Tarot, Love, a show about ancient stories and new age wisdom. I'm Biddy, your expert in classics. And I'm Rose, your resident tarot practitioner. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Hopefully you're having good, good May times. <laughs> yes. It's, the weather's getting nicer. Birds are singing in the morning. I know. Even this <laughs> afternoon I was doing work and I had the window open and I can hear them. It's so wonderful. Nice. Even, the, even the storm, the thunderstorms are nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I missed this. This is fun. This is nice. No this more is, snow. This is nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyways, we're talking about the Five of Swords mm. today. And um, this is normally a card that people really don't like getting in a reading because it's not a really fun card to get. Um, I've seen it often appear as a future card or an answer card. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's, I would say that those are like the most common ones, but sometimes a little, on a little more rare of an occasion, it shows up as an actual helper. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk about, uh, what these different interpretations can mean. Mm-hmm. Um, like how do you, how do you interpret these, how do you interpret this card as a, a helper or an obstacle. It's normally kind of an obstacle when you see it in even as a future card or even as an answer card. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about this card. Right. There's it has a few meanings to it. Um, describe. Uh, yeah, let's describe it. There's a lot happening in the Rider Waite Smith scene. Um, okay, so when you look at the card. One of the first things that I see is this man who's standing at the in the in the foreground, and he is holding two swords in his left hand, kind of just like draped over his shoulder, and he's holding another sword in his right hand, almost kind of like a, almost like a cane. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of he's a little bit leaning on it, and he's smiling, and he's looking back at two other figures who are walking away from him, probably men. Um, who have their backs, t- and they they kind of look a little sad and defeated. One almost looks like he's crying. Yeah, one looks more defeated, and the other one just kind of looks like they're just w- he's just walking off mm-hmm. in the distance. And the guy in the foreground is smiling at them. And at his feet, there are two more swords. So we imagine that these swords must have belonged to the figures who are walking away, and that uh, the man who has all five of the swords is perhaps... Um, Perhaps a victor, but it's it's possible that he might not have even had fought because he's holding these swords and doesn't really look like he just had a fight. It looks more like he defeated them, perhaps using his wits. He kind of looks like he has a tricksy grin. Too. Yeah, he's a little he he comes off as a a little bit of a trickster just the way he's smiling. Right, mm-hmm. it's like ha, I fooled them. Right. Um, in the background, there's also some water. Um, they're they're all standing on what looks like very steady, uh, stable ground. Uh, But there is uh, the water imagery in the background, which 
of course, um, is a significance of emotions being strong. And I think the sky is particularly interesting to yeah. me. Um, it looks like a blue sky with smoke. Is that what that is? Because I thought it was clouds, but they look jagged. So yeah. smoke kind of makes They're like sense. these jagged clouds, and they're gray clouds instead of being white clouds. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bit of, like, white streaks through them, um, but I think that's more just for coloring purposes Mm -hmm. um it looks to me it looks like smoke it looks like smoke that's rising from the ground rather than clouds that are that are just yeah you're right in in the sky right and it looks like the source of the fire is coming from the left uh which as i mentioned before the left um on a on a card i always perceive as being the past and the right of a card i always perceive as being the future and I think this is particularly interesting because the, the figure as well is looking towards the left. Mm. His back is completely towards the fu- uh, is completely towards the future um, on the right side, right? He's not looking towards the right at all. Everything is really past oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and as they're looking towards uh, perhaps the source of the fire, uh, perhaps the figures who are walking away, Either way, the man who's standing in the front looks really satisfied with himself. (laughs) He looks really full of himself Mm -hmm. um, and particularly arrogant. So when this card appears, um, there are two perspectives. Either the person you are reading for, or let's call them the seeker. (laughs) I like that word. So either your your seeker is the person who is the... um, who is the person for foreground who feels like they're on the winning side... Or perhaps your person, uh, the seeker, is uh, the person who's in the far background who looks like he is weeping, perhaps, um, at a defeat. And it's also possible that they might be somewhere in between, the person who laid down their sword willingly and is walking away from the fight. And in my opinion, is probably the true victor in this whole scene. (laughs) Even though he doesn't have a sword, um, it's always better to know when you should fight and when not to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, when to walk away, exactly. literally. Literally, when to walk away, right. Yeah. Um, and when when you understand that a fight is not worth the worth fighting mm-hmm. uh, is a really important message in the Five of Swords. Um, oftentimes, so there's, there's quite a few interpretations to this particular card, but I personally love using the Kelton Dragon Tarot deck. And in that deck... The Five of Swords often appears as a petty fight. Mm. So a fight that's not really worth fighting, Mm -hmm. um, but that will go back and forth as a struggle. Um, And so that card has definitely more of the interpretation of you you need to know when to walk away from a fight. But the Rider-Waite-Smith deck card, the original, or not necessarily the original Five of Swords, but I'm going to say the classic one. The classic Five of Swords card has um, several other interpretations, right? You have... This, so let's let's first look at the perspective of being the person who believes they're on the winning side. So there is a very big danger in thinking that you are on the winning side because, um, like this particular figure, he's looking completely towards the past. Um, he is entirely focused on his victories, um, be they even like whether they were won um, honestly, like in a fair fight, or perhaps 
uh, using some tricks. Um, oftentimes the, the, the victor has won by using their mental powers rather than their strength. Mm -hmm. So this often represents a victory that is about outwitting your foes. Mm. Um, kind of a brains wins versus bronze sort of scenario here. Um, and it's not necessarily bad or good, right? But it does it but there is a warning that if you did win uh, perhaps by cheating, you have to be careful that um, the person you won against isn't going to come back for vengeance. Especially because he's, again, looking to the past, not to the future, so yeah. anything would surprise him, I think. I, exactly. He is completely full of himself. He mm -hmm. thinks that he can win against any foe, and he's not expecting a defeat. Mm -hmm. um, he's not looking to the future. He doesn't care about future fights. He thinks all his future <coughs> fights are going to be the same as his past fights. You okay? <laughs> Little, little bit of a cough there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, he thinks all of his future fights are going to be just like his past fights. And when you're entirely focused on your, your previous victories, mm -hmm. it doesn't prepare you for how to win your future future ones. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, it, it's also like when you have this full of yourself characteristic, it makes it also really difficult to lose when you do eventually lose, because it always is a win. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, there's there's wins and there's losses, and to think that you're going to win them all is... It, it's not... it Stupid isn't the right word. Foolish? Foolish. Foolish is a mm. much better <laughs> word. Yeah, it's foolish to think that you're going to win all of your victories, and to think that fighting a vic fighting is only about winning and losing right. as well. yeah. Uh, which is why I said that I think the character who is in the, the middle ground, um, who's walking away and looks like he's not necessarily upset. He's not happy either, but he's kind of neutral about this situation. He used his mind, he used his, um, his logic versus his emotional response and decided it was better to lay down his sword and walk away from the fight and, you know, live to fight another day yeah. when it's something that matters to him. So if someone gets this card and, like, that's them, what would be the message like uh, just to like kind of pick your battles definitely a pick your battles kind of message for sure right um it's important to kind of describe all of the ways that this card yeah. can be interpreted That's especially true. if it's a future card because it depends on the question it depends right? a lot it could on also question. be like don't be fooled by someone else like look out maybe yeah. so i think when this card appears um there's two things you can ask your seeker one, you can ask them uh, whether or not they feel like they're on the winning side or the losing side, mm -hmm. right? And two, you can ask them if this fight is worth fighting, mm. right? So if you are, if you feel like, so we've talked about being on the winning side and we talked about um, if this fight is worth fighting. Now let's talk a little bit about what does it, what happens if you feel like you're on the losing side? Mm -hmm. And so let's say you feel like you're on the losing side and this fight is worth fighting, right? That's a really interesting <laughs> situation when that happens. Um, like the first thing that comes to mind, honestly, is like s students who are struggling with math in math class. Mm. <laughs> right? They feel like it's a losing battle and, uh, but it's also something they have to do because they have to get those grades. They have to get a certain amount of math credits to graduate high school, right? You know, um, it's, it's a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> But does it mean that you just have to give up on it? No. No. You can't give up because it's something that's worth fighting for, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah, so so when you're on that losing side and uh, you, 
you do feel like it is still worth fighting for, you have to just accept that there will be losses. You're not going to win all of them. You're not going to pass all of those tests. (laughs) Or, you know, you might pass, you might pass most of them and not necessarily do get the mark that you wanted to get on all of those tests. Right. Mm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you, that the fight is not worth fighting. Right. Right. Um, so there, so that's also a really difficult message to receive. Um, it, being on the feeling like you're on the losing side and that the fight is still worth fighting that I think is probably one of the most honorable ways to fight um because it's you're you're basically doing this not for the result but you're doing it because it's the right thing to do mm-hmm. and that I think is is something that takes a lot of bravery and a lot of mental strength and a lot of emotional strength um which once again is I think why that this particular figure is closest to the water because because the emotion the emotion I think is strongest with them uh, as they are closest like they're they're closest to those emotions of feeling the pain of failing over of failing over and over and over again but the thing is if you keep failing it is possible that you are learning from those failures like right. making sure that you're learning from each and every one of those failures and then coming back and trying again trying again and then eventually you do get a success. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what this card uh, represents. It doesn't represent eventually getting a success, but it does represent trying um, and ha- knowing when it is worth it to fight. And if it is worth it, just expect a lot of a lot of failure mm-hmm. in your wake, mm-hmm. and especially um, expect to be outwitted. <laughs> especially expect that um, there's there's a strong theme of the trickster in this particular in this particular card. Uh, which I, I think you have a, a good story for us lined up. I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> all right, all right. So ha- tell us a story about um, the Five of Swords. <laughs> okay, I will. Yeah, and this is a funny one because sometimes I don't always struggle to come up with, sto- with a story, but as soon as you gave me like a short description of this one, I'm like, I know which one. <laughs> I know which You're one like, it is. Oh, this I'm, definitely. I was very yeah. excited. Yes, so I'm going to talk about Pelops's chariot race. So this is a myth. <laughs> um, just because sometimes not a real story not a real story we've had a lot of real stories lately (laughs) we have and I kind of go back and forth and just to see kind of what works but um just yeah putting it out there this is a myth yay um Um, yeah so a bit of backstory about Pelops he was um a hero so not one that many people hear about you know we talk more about like Theseus and Perseus and Heracles and Jason Um, I've never heard of Pelops before to be honest yeah he's it's a little bit different um he's not what we would call a typical hero by any means Mm -hmm. um but just a bit of background on him his father was actually Tantalus so I don't know some people might know his story or not um but Pelops is involved. Who is Tantalus? So Tantalus um, is a man who actually used to dine with the gods. He was kind of a friend to them and would go for dinner parties. Oh, that sounds nice. And whatnot, which is very, very nice. Okay, so his Um, son was Pelops. And his son was Pelops, a hero. And when Pelops was a child, Tantalus mm, decided to feed him to the gods at a dinner party. What? Um, yeah. <laughs> One night to try and test their, like, omnipotence? Is that the right thing? Test their uh, omniscience. That's the one. That's it. Omniscience. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, like, knowing everything. Exactly. How much do the gods actually know? Exactly. So, 
fed them. Everyone, all the gods, realized right away what was going on, what was wrong, except for Demeter, because she was distracted by the disappearance of her daughter Persephone. So she took a bite um, of his shoulder that it happened to be, and then obviously realized what happened. Um, Zeus, very upset, um, but he actually replaced Pelops' shoulder with gleaming ivory and put the rest of um, him back together again. Okay, okay, so Tantalus killed his son, cooked him up, and served him to the gods? Is yeah. That, is that what happened? Yeah. And then, and then Zeus was like, um, like un- no, no, no. undo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Edit undo that crap. Yes. Why would... Okay, okay. Yeah, this, is, this is just back. This isn't the story I, for today. Yeah, I'm just, just freaking out a little bit about that particular background. It's really bad. <laughs> yeah, and so that's why um, he is in Tartarus, and he, he's the guy that um, he can't... Um, he's forever, like, hungry and thirsty. Like, he kind of reaches up for food, and it's just out of reach, and he reaches down for, like, water, and it's just, again, also out of reach. Oh, my So goodness. he's always... Wait, this is Tantalus... Was that his so that punishment? Was his punishment, yes. Oh, okay. So his yes. punishment was to always be hungry and thirsty. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just kind of an idea of who this guy's dad is. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> test great. the gods. No. Don't test the gods is no, the no, moral no. of that story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, okay, so that's, yeah, his childhood. Um into adulthood now. Um, his second life. His second life. And what's interesting um, is that this is actually one of the myths that's potentially the foundation for the Olympic Games because apparently it took place where um, the Olympic Games were. Oh, that's cool. So neat. I like that we, we've continued the culture. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, so when Pelops was an adult, he decided to enter into a competition to be able to marry the princess Hippodamia. So Hippodamia's father, I'm going to butcher this name, um, Oinomas, decided to make a rigged competition basically for the hand of his daughter um, because of a prophecy that claimed that he would be killed by his son-in-law. So he decided to have a chariot race. He had very fast chariots. He also was really good with the spear. Um, And so, oops, sorry, I lost my place. Um, Yes, so up until this point... um, with the, he had already defeated 18 suitors. So basically, if a suitor would beat him, then they would have the hand of his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had beaten 18 or 12 or 13. I saw a bunch of different numbers. <laughs> suitors, a lot of suitors up until that point. And apparently he would put their heads on kind of wooden columns in front of his palace to oh, be like, you want to try it? <laughs> kind of thing. So if they if he defeated them... He, then killed, he, he ended he was, up killing them. So he would behead them and use their heads as warnings yeah. to others mm-hmm. to not try yeah well then yes he took uh, this uh, prophecy very seriously if you ever thought that your father was against dating yeah <laughs> exactly or that your father-in-law was out to get you oh uh, there you go yeah <laughs> here's a good example of uh it's it could be worse <laughs> it could be worse and she must have been you know that beautiful i guess too to merit that yeah, all, well, all marrying of this. a princess you get to be that royalty too. you get yeah. to be king yeah that's, not, that's a, you know eventually not bad <laughs> it's a pretty nice uh you know reward mm-hmm. pretty nice dowry not too shabby <laughs> exactly um so another bit of background on pelops is that he and poseidon were actually lovers um and when he asked for hippodamia's hand basically he went and said okay i will you know, do this this race. Mm-hmm. Um, he prepared for the race by asking Poseidon for help. So Poseidon actually gave him a chariot drawn by untamed winged horses. 
So, wow. and if, um, we've talked a bit about Poseidon here and there. Horses are one of his, um, like, animals, and he's, and if you think about it, too, like, with water, water imagery always has a lot of horses, um, attached to it. Oh, cool. So, it's, it's kind of neat. I'm honestly just thinking of that scene in, in Lord, of, yes. Lord of the Rings yeah. where the, the horses are just mm-hmm. galloping with the with the waves in the fellowship. Exactly. The That's yeah, exactly what one. it is. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, and I think about that every time I say yeah. it too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he gave him a chariot, so he was good on that point. Um, but Pelops was still a little bit unsure of himself. And so he concocted another plan um, whereby he convinced Myrtilus, who was actually, he was a charioteer and son of Hermes, um, to help him. So in return for Myrtilus's help, Pelops promised him half of Oinomaeus's kingdom and, most importantly, the first night in bed with Hippodamia. Oh. Yeah. So I think Merlis, you know, had a little thing for her and was like, okay, like, I'll help you out, but this is kind of what I want. Okay, so you get to sleep with her, I get to marry her. Yes. Oh, yeah. so, to be a woman in this time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no choice in any of <laughs> Wouldn't this. Wouldn't have been great. <laughs> nope. Um, so Myrtilus agreed to the terms, and on the night before the big race, um, Myrtilus replaced the bronze linchpins that attached, like, the wheels of the chariot to the actual chariot, um, of Oinomaeus's chariot, not mm. Pelops. <laughs> um, so he pla- replaced the bronze linchpins with fake ones made from beeswax. Oh. Yes, so this is where that kind of trickiness came in. Yeah, so there was definitely some cheating happening. Oh, yes, exactly. So the next day when the chariot ran, you know, they were going, going, going. Oinomaeus was doing great. And then all of a sudden the wax pin melted and broke, causing Oinomaeus to suffer a fatal fall and he died. Oh. So the prophecy then came true that, that his son-in-law would, would kill, kill him. him. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, them prophecies you can't fight you, you can't really fight a prophecy can't. you really really can't and what's interesting is that or i think it's interesting is that he concocted this whole chariot race scheme because to try to, to prevent it because of the prophecy and that's what led to it happening that seems to be a common theme is that prophecies are self-fulfilling mm-hmm. like if if you say a prophecy that's all that's gonna make it happen <laughs> yeah or what is that the road you take to avoid it is the one that is like the one that leads to it yeah yeah. that's uh she's yeah um so thus (laughs) pelops won his bride um but as per their arrangement myrtilus asked for his night with hippodamia um but pelops not the dashing hero as we come to expect um did not honor his agreement and he threw myrtilus off a cliff and into the sea oh no yeah (laughs) So the trickster kind of was tricked again. Yeah. Um, and as Myrtilus was falling to his death, he cursed Pelops and his descendants. And because, again, he had a defined father in Hermes, the curse was brought to fulfillment. So we've talked about this before with um, Odysseus and the Cyclops and how the Cyclops cursed him yeah. um, his father was Poseidon and it came true. So, so. any, so any uh, half-god... Pretty much, or like mm, anyone who has so. a anyone who has a, a god father parent, parent, they're yeah more likely to have I guess the gods actually curse. listen <laughs> to yeah. their curse. Um, 
Yes, and so Pelops did succeed to the throne, uh, did succeed the throne of Oenomaea, so he became king, and he and Hippodamia had sons, um, two of which are Atreus and Theestes, and Atreus was actually the father of Agamemnon and Menelaus. So these are the, the Greek warriors. Um, right, so we yeah. will see by the end of the sword suit, I'm pretty sure that, um, in fact, the curse of Myrtilus was intact for several generations, um, basically until Orestes, Agamemnon's son, brought it to its conclusion. Oh, my goodness. So because of Pelops and his trickiness, trying to yeah. outsmart and be clever, yeah, he and cursed. Yeah, his way to win. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cursed not only himself, but his descendants as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So there's that, I guess, that warning. Like, he did come out on top, kind of, but also not at all. There's there's a lot of Five of Swords in this in this story. This story very much suits the Five of Swords. Yes. You've got, so, like, if you're looking at the, the, the character, whoever thinks they're on the winning side, basically. Whoever thinks yeah. they're on the winning side. Um, they all weren't. <laughs> Well, they they win some, mm-hmm. but That's they're true. not expecting losing, and they're yeah. and the way they lose ends up being so much harder because like the they have so much ego, they have so far to fall. Yes, right. Yeah, and once again, you definitely have that that uh, warning that if you've cheated your way, beware vengeance. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yep. Uh, so this this story, I think, is a really good story to represent the five of swords. So if you ever um, if you ever need to remember what it is that the Five of Swords represents, remember this chariot race story. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think that just fits it to a T. Mm-hmm. And sure. what's pretty cool, kind of just um, last thought to connect it back to the Olympics, is that actually there was a temple made to, um, it's a temple of Zeus at Olympia. Mm-hmm. And the, so in the pediment, so it's a, a part of the temple um on the outside there is actual a sculpture of this chariot race so it has like zeus and pelops and everyone there and it's a and it kind of faces where the games would take place so as people would come again it's a reminder yeah don't cheat don't <laughs> cheat or else yeah yeah exactly well it was the fact that pelops had multiple levels of cheating too mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, like if he had just had a little bit of cheating, he probably could have gotten away with it, but yeah. he just, you know, once he, once he cheated he a little bit. He almost got greedy with his cheating. Definitely. He was like, oh, I can have it all. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, he definitely got greedy with his cheating. Yeah. <laughs> That's Dude. kind of an interesting perspective there of that he probably could have made it if he, if he just didn't yeah. take it too far. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, um, that brings us to the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, it went quicker than I thought. That's yeah, okay. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Yeah. Um, good and succinct. So there yeah, if you if you get the five of swords, oh, I forgot. Almost didn't forget. Okay, yeah. So if you get the five of swords as a future card or an answer card or, um, or you know even as an obstacle card, I think as these are kind of self self explaining um, of. When, when you're relating it to whatever the question is that the seeker has asked. Um, but if you get this card as a helper, it's really more kind of like pay attention to the warnings. Um, because if, if the Five of Swords appears as your helper, more often than not, it means uh, choose your battles, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And to know when it's worth it to fight and when it's not worth it to fight. Um, and it can also mean that you might... 
um, that if you're like, it once again, it depends on which side you feel like you're on. Are you on the losing side? Do you feel like you're on the losing side? Do you feel like you're on the winning side? Um, if you're on the losing side, just keep trying and don't focus so much on your past defeats. Uh, just focus instead on how can you learn from each defeat. And if you're feeling like you're on the winning side, don't focus so much on all the things <laughs> you've won. You got to make sure that you're aware that it's that losing is something that inevitably happens yeah. every to everyone, right? And you are not exempt from that. <laughs> um, but once again, I would say if, you, if it appears as a helper, it's more likely saying to pick your battles. Mm -hmm. All right. Very cool. Yes. Uh, so uh, that's our episode for this week. Okay. Next week, we're going to be looking at the Six of Swords. Ooh. Exciting stuff. Okay. <laughs> find out. Yep. Um, yeah. Also, shout out to Kindly. Yeah. Our newest Patreon supporter. Yes. We, we love you. We love you. Thank you so, so much. We appreciate you. Thank you for the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for keeping us going. Yes, keeping us going. Yes, we um, really, really appreciate it. Um, if you'd like to join, if you'd like to join our, our lovely uh, Patreon supporters, uh, you can do so. We are uh, we are on Patreon. Dot com slash Miss Fair Love. Yes, that's it's right. Only one dollar per episode. Very, very easy. Yep. And we appreciate it so much. <laughs> it, it, it makes it easier to do this. Yes. <laughs> um, and as always, our regular places you can find us, um, mythtarolove at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, Facebook group, all, all that jazz. We love hearing your comments. We yes. love hearing uh, your questions. And we will address them as best we can when we read them. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a little better lately at checking. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah, if you have any questions or anything you want us to address on the podcast or, um, yeah, any myths or anything at all, let us know. Let us know, and we will see what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, so our words of wisdom for this week come once again from the American Tarot Association. It has been said that a good man will be beaten and accept losing, but a great man will be beaten and go back and win. Mm. Myth and tarot. Where do the ideas go? Let's talk about stories, swords, and symbols, and all of the above.